Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Discovery Debrief, a podcast that dives headfirst into the proverbial deep end of our favorite spacefaring franchise on the road to season two of its latest entry, Star Trek Discovery. I'm co-host Chris Clow, and I'm joined as usual by members of our bold panel of Star Trek franchise explorers, including Rachel Clow. Hello. Oh, very energetic. Zaki Hassan. Hi. And Cicero Holmes. Uh, I made Spumoni ice cream in my sleep when I was nine <laughs> years old. Uh, yeah, that, well, that's the topic of the day, isn't it? So uh, this episode is not going to be probably quite as long as other ones that we've done in keeping with the spirit of our topic, because we're going to keep things short and sweet to talk about a recent short, sweet bite of new discovery that recently hit CBS All Access, the first episode of the aptly titled Short Trek series, called Runaway. So I think one of the most basic things that we should discuss briefly before we get into the episode discussion itself is just this format. We're in the final few months as we await the full second season of Discovery, and we get to take in several of these sort of bite-sized mini-sodes of the show with some of its major characters to tide us over. So what do you guys think of a format like this ahead of the second season premiere? Rachel. Um, I'm happy with it just because it does something to pass the time. Yeah. All right. <laughs> a nice little countdown. Uh, yeah. Now you've I have con- other thoughts that maybe don't belong in this question. Well, it's fine. But you, you've consumed, gen- you generally get into more varied tv shows than i do is this something that's kind of been done in other shows or is this kind of unique because it's unique to me but that doesn't mean anything. i can't think of it being done before yeah. um because some shows have had webisodes uh, i never watched the ones that were dedicated to like smallville but i knew that they were there but uh yeah it's pretty new to you too yeah because i wouldn't have watched them if they had webisodes because okay, yeah. they would always be ridiculous go to the audi website and watch them there yeah. Yeah. i was just thinking like they're all commercials for something yeah, it's true yeah. it's true they tie those in very well zaki what do you think of this format do you think it uh think it adds anything do you think it takes something away or do you fall somewhere else uh, i don't think it takes anything away but i'm i'm I, jury's out for me whether it adds anything i mean it's it's meant to be a space filler really it's like oh here's something while we wait for you know the show to start so it just it's it it's almost designed to be Mm -hmm. non-essential because they're they're counting on you know the vast majority of the fans probably will not watch it you know so it's almost meant to be this thing that if you watch it hey cool but it's not it's not gonna assuming we follow this format exactly with with this first one is you know it's not gonna have any bearing on anything so you're kind of like you know the 15 minutes ended and i i didn't i didn't feel like i had spent that time well i mean geez i could have taken a nap and gotten more (laughs) out of it you know (laughs) that's me well you're chronically tired though so the thumb might be on the scale (laughs) most most choices in life taking a nap will come up you know (laughs) so that is true Oh, that's funny. Uh, Cicero, what do you think? Do you think, uh, do do you like this format or uh, could you do without it? Uh, What's your take? 
Oh man, I loved it. Um, you okay. know, yeah, Zachy's a curmudgeon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's a sleepy curmudgeon. Um, Back in my day, we didn't have fifteen minute mini tracks, and we liked it. <laughs> um, yeah, the I think that it's not enough. I mean, so for me, it's like we're gonna get three or four of these. Um, and that's awesome, but there's like one. I get 15 minutes in a month, right? Um, so at, at least with the webisodes, and I, you know, I like from a, from a from a business standpoint, I understand why they're basically commercials because someone's got to pay for all of that stuff, right? right? Yeah. So, and if if and you know, I guess realistically, if if Discovery were to do something like that then it would probably turn into a commercial. Um, you know, like there's there are space Audis, you know, like <laughs> they're 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 fighting Mercedes Benz bots. Um, <laughs> but but like but at the same time I've got I got a really cute story. It means nothing in the scheme of things um, with one of my favorite characters that I knew in mm. Tilly. But next week or next week, it's not next week. It's next month, which is yeah. which sucks. Yeah. Uh, I get to spend 15 minutes with somebody who I kind of know, but I don't really know. So mm. even if it doesn't matter in the scheme of things, at least when I see him on the screen, uh, when the show starts proper, I feel a little bit more connected to him. The ice has been broken um, as they start to as we start to discover these characters a little bit more, hopefully during the course of the season. And that's what that's why these things are important. Um, and that's why I, I you know, it would be nice if we could have uh an hour of these over the course of the next few months uh, so we can discover the rest of the bridge and have an understanding of who these people are before we start uh, season two in earnest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really well said. Uh, I don't think that this is a detriment by any means. Uh, I was pretty happy just seeing something else with Tilly, kind of like you Cicero I can definitely see Zaki's perspective in that oh, yeah. it's a bit innocuous, but, uh, but that, I mean, that's okay. I mean, you don't really expect a story, at least not at this point in time on the show that features Tilly as the, as the main character to be something that's going to, you know, bloom extremely largely in season two at some point. Uh, but the thing that Tilly is great at is giving sort of this relatable sense right. of, uh, of what it's like just being now an ensign on, on a starship and uh, the character building, you know, we're, it's, it's interesting because, you know, in, in, was it in January? I think it's in January, like the week before discovery season two comes out is when we're getting the Tilly novel. And uh, uh we might be getting a little bit of a preview at the beginning of this short trek here, exactly what her family life is like. And I find that interesting. I find that of value. I think that it adds a little bit to uh, just to the wrinkles of what makes her who she is. 
And I almost would have preferred that this episode do more of that by more squarely focusing on her, but it was a nice story and I enjoyed watching it. I, uh, I think I took a nap after work, but, uh, <laughs> but, but I, I mean, I, uh, I, I think that there's definitely value to be had here. Uh, I'm not familiar with the character who's going to be leading the second one. Was he, a, was he on the show before? Yeah. Was he exactly? The, was That's he the whole the, point. So he, was he the comm officer? Yeah, he was on. He was the comm guy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that. I thought he was an, an original character. But um, either way, you know, we we also have a Saru mini so to look forward to, and we have a Harry Mud mini so to look forward to. Right. So uh, that stuff, I, I think it really it can only go up from here. Um, so I'm I'm intrigued to see what they do next. But yeah, I mean, it's also not something that completely justifies the entire format right out of the gate. But that's, you know, depending on what you wanted, that's that's okay. Uh, so here's a short synopsis following a terse discussion with her mother that causes her to retreat into some ill-advised caffeine consumption. Now Ensign Sylvia Tilly encounters a young... What is it? Zahian? Zahian, thank you. Zahian stowaway named Mihani Ika Hali Kapo whom she calls Poe, and she helps her to return home in time for her coronation as her world's queen. Uh, doesn't really take long for things to go sideways. The The detail about her being a queen wasn't until almost the last possible minute in the episode, but we got to see some, it was, it was kind of a nice visual effects showcase for maybe uh, to, to see ahead of time what we have in store for season two. It was very slick looking and, uh, it must take place sometime in season two since Tilly is wearing her ensign's badge and she has her Starfleet Medal of Honor that she got in the last episode on display in her quarters. So let's just have an open conversation about this. Let's start with the obvious. What did you think? Zeki? you've alluded to it, but when it comes to the material, what we saw from the character and this sort of brief story, what strikes you or doesn't? I mean, it, it, it was fine. You know, like that's really like, I, I, I wish I had more to say. Like I, it's, I, I'm kind of like to me, to me, Tilly being the focus is I'm just not a huge fan of that character. So it's like, okay. I'm, I'm being nice too. I'm like, it was fine. Um, like it's, I mean, it's, it's just, it, it was like, it was like cotton candy in my mouth. I mean, I, it's, it was gone as soon as it ended and I was like, okay, that's fine. I guess, you know, that's, that's like my capsule review. It's fine. I guess. Okay. All right. Well, it's very, <laughs> very ringing endorsement. Uh, <laughs> Cicero, you seem pretty taken with it. So what are your overall thoughts of it? Well, you know, like. It's going to be weird, but I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of with, with Zachy on it. It was fun. It was. It was cotton candy. I love Tilly. Tilly, to me, is cotton candy. Um, <laughs> you know, and and she's, you know, she's sweet. And and I look forward to, uh, this is going to sound weird, tasting her again. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, the metaphor is getting weird. It's getting weird. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um. But, but yeah, so, I mean, it was just, it was just an okay thing. It was a short, like it wasn't that deep. Um, 
but the, but the 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 idea behind them is what I'm really excited about. That's what I really love. Um, the yes, episodes themselves are eh, and like I'm really looking forward to the next one because uh, we'll get to learn more about this person that we've seen, but we don't know. Um, and and then Saru is dope, Saru, and then Harry Mud. Like, yeah, let's let's do it. Um, I just wish we got more of the bridge crew. Okay, so I'm doing some uh, some digging, and let me see: Therese, Dennis, Cole, Arian, Gant. Was that him? So Cicero, the character who is going to be in the second one, is not the comm it- officer. Oh, he's not. The comm okay. officer's name is Bryce. The guy that we're going to see, his name is Kraft. And uh, uh, so it is a it is an original character that's well, going to be so? showing up. But uh, does that, does that only affect- further? It only furthers my point. Okay. Yeah. That, that's what I don't. I, that's what right, I was because ask. I I don't know who who the people on the bridge are. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, they definitely need to uh, to fill out those characters a bit more. But uh, see, that's the thing that I'm curious about with the second one. And I know that we're kind of uh, drifting away from the first one here. But uh, a character that we have no idea who he is or how exactly he sort of fits into this wider narrative. Maybe he's someone who's going to show up in, in season two proper. But uh, do you think a format like this is uh, – is good for introducing a character that you haven't seen before? Or would you prefer that be in, in a primary episode? Um, you know, I mean, what can you do in 15 minutes? So clearly whatever, whatever happens in, in those 13 and a half minutes, really, um, it, there is not going to matter in the scheme of things. It'll be great for the people that watch it. It, it won't matter in, in, in anything. For the people yeah. that don't. So you think the, this just struck me. Do you guys think it might, because it looked kind of trippy, right? Right. You think it might be section 31 related somehow? Ooh. Because I'd be real into that. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Maybe that's what you want it to be. Well, yeah, yeah, clearly. But I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put some betting odds on that. I'll get I back. Know. But so overall, Cicero, you 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 enjoyed what you saw from this first one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was fun. Why Mm -hmm. not? Yeah, sure. Rachel, it was fine. I was very confused for most of it. Elaborate. Um, I did not understand uh, all the jibber jabber about the my planet is my twin. (laughs) Jibber jabber. (laughs) That's exactly what it was. Was. Was Jibba Jabba? Mr. T when we need him. <laughs> oh, pain. <laughs> like, how is it the planet? Is is the planet her twin? Yes. What did she invent? Oh. I didn't. Right, right. <laughs> were they mining dilithium? They were di- they were mining dilithium and incubating it. And why is this a thing? <laughs> Apparently, just the only thing that I picked up from it was that it was significant because no one had done it before. But don't the right. incubating dilithium is a dilithium a mineral? What does it mean to incubate I it? I do not know. 
What is? <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> engineer. <laughs> but it doesn't even make sense on the most like fundamental level. It was just like, ah, here's a character. Let me, let me She's see. She's gonna say some words. Yeah. She's gonna be like, ah, oh, and then at the end, she's gonna be like, I'm a queen. queen. And then, like, he's gonna be like, wow, I really learned from this somehow. G.I. Joe. The way, the, the, the way that, uh, that she characterized it was that the creation of a dilithium incubator, regardless of what it is and how it works exactly, she said something about how it was killing the world. And but is wanted... that literally or figuratively? I she spoke the about the planet. Literally, her twin, right? Like, yeah, I mean, it... that, see, that's the thing that I guess kind of comes to my mind now that you say it. Is that so? The planet is her twin. They're born at the same time, time. right? So the how are our parents? Our parents. And the planet just uh, gained, or the society on the planet just gained warp capability. So the Prime Directive no longer applies. They're trying to join the Federation, I assume, which is how she got onto Discovery in the first place. But that's, see, that's, maybe it just needs more. I think it could have used a couple of drafts. A few more drafts of the writing, just personally. Mm-hmm. I mean, I liked seeing Tilly. I liked her little joke about the hormonal space rabbit. That was really that, that part, was cute. Yeah, in the in the commissary or the yeah the yeah that the, was the that was good. I liked that part yes. where yeah. she's trying to talk to her and and that stuff. That was all that was all punchy like mm-hmm. that. But then I don't know. Then I was just like horribly confused. And I don't know. I was a little bit underwhelmed. I guess I was like, I was expecting more, like maybe more of a mystery that might be solved in the second season, sure. or you know, some little story that might have little Easter eggs for me when I'm watching the second season. I can be like, oh, hey, that's you know. So you were expecting from... like a done in one, right? Like yeah, a... yeah. Well, I mean, and this was done in one, I guess. But or, I, or, I mean, I'm sorry, you weren't expecting a done in one. You weren't expecting something that seemed, at least on its face, seems so. You wanted serious. something serialized. Not even, not really. I mean, I, I just wanted. I guess I thought it would relate more to what's going to happen, and okay, let me in, okay. in on it a little bit mm-hmm. in some superficial way, and it was just not. It didn't do. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of questions. I mean, just on its face, like I said before, the thing that I take away the most from it is is the stuff that happened at the beginning, you know, where Tilly's just screaming into a pillow and yeah. and she goes to, you know, I will remember to expect nothing even from this espresso. Espresso, I release you. Like I, <laughs> that, like that's, that stuff was funny. And I like Tilly in general. So seeing more of her, Mary Wiseman performs her with such earnestness that, you know, the the performance, whenever I see it, is infectious. So, Zachy, when you first heard that this first short trek was going to be centered on her, see, because most of the time when we were having episode discussions over the course of the first season, your ire seemed most amplified when we were talking about the Mirror Uh Universe. I think you had mentioned a few times that Tilly wasn't exactly uh, catching your interest as much as someone like Michael, obviously. But 
What is it about Tilly that is missing for you, just personally? Uh, I mean, I, I just, I don't think she's a leading character. You know, I think, I think she works as part of the ensemble, but I just, you know, she's not. I don't find her interesting enough to be the focus of a whole story. So I guess, in a way, this format where it's like fifteen minutes in and out that's perfectly suited to a character like her. But I think to me, it just draws out the sort of disposability of these things, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it reminds me, it's like the Chloe Chronicles that Smallville did. You know, you alluded to Smallville earlier. You right, know what I mean? Yeah. The, it's like, right. you know, I mean, they, they don't matter in the in right. the grand scheme of things. Right. So, you know, it's it's kind of like, it, like I said, it's totally fine. It's like, you know, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a light snack. Mm-hmm. Don't expect to be filled by it, but it's yeah, you know, it's some eye candy to to pass the time. But you know, I I, I wonder if there isn't a better way to make use of this thing that they're doing to yeah, to to make it feel more essential. And I I don't know if that's a calculation they can even make because if it's essential, then it'll be in the episode. Then you right. say, well, then what is the point of this? Like it, that's right. the they need to figure that out because if you're gonna do it. If you're going to do these things, make them make them matter, right? Mm-hmm. It's funny that you yeah, that's it's, it's funny that you bring up the Chloe Chronicles because I was really surprised at the one where she was branding people. Uh, that as soon as you said that, it popped into my head, and I was holding my mouth real tight. Uh, no, but, but I think the point is well taken. Uh, and that's kind of one of the things that I'm going to be really interested to see out of the second one is whether or not it might be planting a seed because we know just by virtue of the inclusion of Emperor Giorgio that, uh, something like section 31 is going to be felt at least at, at some point in season two. Uh, obviously I seem to be hedging my bets on section 31 for the second short, but it could be something totally different. Like, the return of Ripper, maybe I'd be into that too, though. But uh, no, I mean, uh, you you do want this stuff to matter, especially, you know, if they're going to be devoting resources to this and we're not going to be able to observe what season two has in store for us until the, uh, the early days of the new year, I would also want them to matter. But Cicero, what do you think about Zachy's perspective on Tilly? Do you agree with what he had to say, or do you have sort of do, do you enjoy, let me let me put it this way? Do you enjoy Tilly as a character in spite of something you might agree with Zachy on, or do you just have a different perspective? Uh, wow, you you're really starting to get to know me, Chris. Because yes, I do um, have a fondness for Tilly, despite agreeing with with. Uh, things that Zachy had to say about her. Okay, but but I what I will say is that um, to Rachel, you spent too much time focusing on the jibber jabber because you were you're you're a hundred percent correct. It was jibber jabber, right? You got stuff with Tilly and and you got a bunch of jibber jabber that allowed that was the ve- that was the vehicle to allow you to hear this little Tilly story and uh, to Zaki, you, you miss the point where this actually does matter for those people who watch it, which is you got a, you got some key insight into um, Tilly's familiar relationship 
especially her maternal relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and just how much of a dick her mother is <laughs> to her. Sure. Like it, sure. it's, it's just, you're like, wow. You know, and, and maybe for some of us, we can, we can definitely empathize with, with Tilly. Um, you know, someone who, despite, in spite of all of this stuff, and in spite of the fact that she is very much a flawed character, um, she's not, she's clearly not as flawed as this person who, who brought her into the world is trying to uh, imprison her into being. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so she is trying to grow from that. And that's kind of, you know, it, it, it bookends with, uh, her being dressed down by her mother and then at the very end uh her kind of realizing that she she totally has shed all of that stuff so that's some insight into uh tilly that we all gleaned um you know whether we wanted to or not uh from from this from this episode that uh we will, you know, invariably carry with us into season two. You know, it's almost like this thing could have been just a few minutes long because as you're talking, what immediately sprung to my mind, because I'm the third child in my family. Sure. Uh, I don't know. Do you guys have siblings? Yeah, I'm, I'm the oldest. Of, the oldest? Of, yeah. Zachy, do you have siblings? Yeah. I'm, I'm the younger of, of two. Okay. And an Rachel is an only child. So we have, we, we run the gamut on this panel. Right. Uh, but the thing that immediately jumps to my mind, first of all, uh, she has her, I guess the, f- the purpose of the full episode is that it, re- it reinforces her decision to join the command training program. But right. beyond that too, you know, in the last episode where we were talking about the visitor, we talked about aspects of family and how they're universally uh, relatable in some respect. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit more for some people than others. But with this... I saw something very familiar in Tilly's discussion with her mother, not because, you know, I, I felt like my aspirations or anything were disregarded by my mother, far from it, but I know what it's like to struggle for, I guess, parental attention when you have sure. other siblings, particularly other siblings in front of you. In hindsight, it's great being the third child because you get to benefit from the mistakes that your older siblings made, uh, which is awesome. And my siblings have made plenty. So, <laughs> so love you guys. But uh, they don't listen. No, they don't. They, they absolutely don't. Uh, That's another mistake exactly. they're making. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, but, you know, in the discussion that she had with her mother, I saw something that did speak to me just in the sense that, uh, you know, it can be tough to, especially if you have a parent. And thankfully, this rarely, if ever, happened to me. It certainly doesn't happen now. But when I was a kid, it might have happened once or twice. You know, you know who I should talk to about this? Your was it like your stepsister or something like that? And yeah. It's just like, yeah. And, and she said, "You were just talking to me about it right now." You know, right? I mean, she was trying <laughs> to to compete for attention in the conversation she was having with her mother in the moment, and right. that uh, I related to an aspect of. And just kind of being frustrated with that side of it, and you know, it's it's a more whimsical familial side, but it has it has uh, resonance and value in that respect. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be different for everybody. But when it comes to 
uh, I guess when it comes to the timeline, it's this is a little confusing because conceivably Captain Pike has been installed as Discovery's CEO uh, because the season premiere should be picking up literally on the heels of, well, not literally, almost literally on the heels of, uh, of the season finale. Do you guys think that it was set sort of at the right time or is it a little weird that we're going to be stepping back uh, to see exactly how Discovery starts to get onto its, its regular mission? Rachel, what do you think? Yeah, the timeline was super confusing. I didn't like, does this happen in the middle of it? I don't know. I yeah. mean, we're not probably not supposed to think about it. So I have chosen not to think about it. It, it. But it does bring up questions of succession, you know. I mean, I'm sure we'll be able to plug it in after the fact. Yeah, or maybe it happens after, like right after the second season. I don't know. It could, yeah. I, I don't know so. what the what's going to happen in the second season, yeah. so I can't tell you. Right. Cicero, what do you think about that? Did they choose an optimal place to to put this? So I didn't give it any thought until you started, uh, you know, pondering the question. Um, And I didn't think about it at at all. It didn't Mm -hmm. matter to me. Um, And then I came up with a resolution. (laughs) So so, um, this happens after Pike you know, becomes the CEO of discovery. Uh And it's just one of those things that happened in between fifth shift and sixth shift. Sure. You know, on, on a random, you know, Tuesday Mm -hmm. in, in, uh, in, in the 23rd century. So. Sure. Zachy, what do you think in general about kind of telling a story out of sequence? Do you think it, it's an impediment uh, particularly in a, a serial format like this, or does it really matter in the long scheme of things if there's like a clear point where you can actually come up with some kind of chronology? Uh, I certainly don't think it's an, an, an impediment. You know, I think I think it's a little thing that adds texture, and to, you know, these are aimed at like the super fans, mm-hmm. and they're the ones who will figure out a way to make it fit. You know, sure. Uh, as you said, I'm, I'm sure when all is said and done, there will be little hooks built in where you can slot this stuff in. But, I mean, you know, th- these are made by the same people making the show. So they know, one assumes anyway, that they have it mapped out. D- d- to really, somebody, I would bet you know? on any oh. organizational skill of a Star Trek writer's room in comparison to almost any other writer's room. So, yeah, I agree, agree with Very you. True. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm down. I, I de- like I said, I definitely don't think it's an impediment. You know, I I think they should feel free to do more of this stuff. Just kind of drop us at various points in time. So so then, kind of going back to the format question, then you see how this could be beneficial in sort of building out the world a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I I would I would be more interested. Like, I get that that they're beholden to the sets that are already built and whatever. And, you know, they don't want to spend a, a King's ransom on getting these things made. So, so to some extent we're boxed in as far as the type of stuff they can do, but the, I'd be more interested in like 15 minutes where we're like, Hey, here's what's going on at Starfleet headquarters during this era of Star mm-hmm. Trek. Let's spend 15 minutes because that's something that the, the, the mothership show won't have time to do. Like I'd be more interested mm-hmm. in that. Sure. You know? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I can see that. You know what this kind of reminds me of and, I've brought it up before because there have been so few 
media efforts like it in the years since. But uh, 15 years ago, when The Matrix ruled the world, uh, they huh. put out a video game. Yeah, they put it in the video game the same day that The Matrix Reloaded hit theaters. That was kind of a side story. And the shame about that in the years since is that even though they actually shot footage, a significant portion of the story that was told was in the game engine and they haven't told that story in any other way. So, you know, 20 years even from now, if someone is deciding to take in the, the full Matrix story that the Wachowskis came up with, they can't really do that because a piece is going to be is, is always going to be missing unless you've got retro video game hardware. Uh, 40 years after the original Xbox came out or something like that. (laughs) I mean, Chris, that's actually a great point because that's what I was actually thinking of as we were discussing this. This is the problem of making stuff that's peripheral to the main story that's still essential to the main Mm -hmm. story because, I mean, when we look at the Matrix saga in in its totality, yes, it's the three films, but it's also the video game stuff. It's also the the Animatrix. And you sort of have to go through all of those side things to get uh, what what I consider as a fan of all three of those films a fulfilling sort of beneficial experience, oh, and that's the problem. Is you, you tell people that they'd be like, "Oh, you got to watch this, this, and this." They'll be like, "Well, screw that, right?" Yeah. So people and that's people the, like, but, oh, sorry, Cicero, please. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Um, I I completely understand understand both of your guys' points, but but one thing that you're forgetting about this, Zachy, is that all of the material for discovery is in the same place on the subscription service that you pay for. This is okay. This is actually a good point because one of our listeners, Rob O'Connor, who lives in Ireland does not have access to these short treks right now. He, he, Oh, because because it's on Netflix. Exactly. He posted a a, a comment on our Facebook page and asked, (laughs) (laughs) but if you're in the United States, conceivably, because Netflix, the UI for Netflix has a mechanism to see like trailers and stuff that are related to a show that you can pull up. But it's odd to me that, uh, one of the co-financiers of discovery in Netflix has not made, this available to other regions maybe they'll you know dump them all at the same time but are they financing season two they were financing season one i believe that the deal is continuing i don't know that for sure but i was led to believe that from looking at the results of like a conference call because that's one of the things that makes it profitable is that cbs's financing is a or their their overhead for creating discovery is mitigated because of the deal of net that they have with netflix Okay, But it's still strange, though, that someone like Rob, who is one of the single most dedicated Star Trek fans that I know of in my, you know, Internet friends circle, does not have the ability to at least legally watch this short track. That's odd. But I'm sure that they have some kind of a plan for it. But uh, but, you know, Zach, you brought up a good point, though, because, you know, I remember breaking kind of. pretty hard with most of the of my contemporaries walking out of the of the uh, theater for the matrix revolutions because i put in the time to take in that extra material yeah. uh which is pretty important for every because everything funnels into revolutions and it became yeah. for me a far more satisfying conclusion than someone i guess that just jumps from reloaded to revolutions but that totally ancillary do. material is absolutely important and I wonder if the short treks are going to follow a similar trek. God, I hope not. 
Right. Okay. Please. They should be Easter eggs where you're rewarded for having watched them, but inessential to understanding the the main thing. Because the the whole thing with the animatrix and the, the, I I didn't understand <laughs> anything that was going on in the Matrix Revolution. <laughs> and like I don't. My heart know. is breaking right now. You guys can't hear it. <laughs> His face is so sad. <laughs> I okay. Like I I mean there the first time I watched it there was a lot of stuff that I did not understand. It was very unsatisfying, and I feel like you shouldn't have to like cobble together your understanding of something from a variety of different sources. If those extern or those more ancillary stories are more accessible, though. Does that make a difference? Not really. Because I think, the stuff for the Matrix... I think your main stuff should be able to stand on its own satis- in a satisfying manner. But you see yeah. the shared universe is beneficial to Star Trek. Yeah, but you can watch any individual series and still enjoy it. Yeah. Like people start with all different... People start with Voyager. People start with TOS. Like, it's... Yeah, but don't you feel like you get inherently more out of all the shows because you know about all of the shows? Yes. I get Rachel's point. <laughs> yes, I- <laughs> yes, but you don't need them to get full enjoyment. I don't know. Okay. Cicero? Yeah, I, I get Rachel's point totally. Um, you know, the matrix revolution is as this is gonna get crazy is objectively a bad film no if the if 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 the only way that film is even redeemable is if i've watched this uh this uh this ancillary stuff that's on the side that that I, that I can't, you know, that I'd never seen and wouldn't be expected to see because it's not the main thing. It's not the thing that I know you for. No, but that that's that's exactly my point, though, is that I don't think that The Matrix Revolutions on its own is a bad movie if you take that stuff out. I just think that that stuff enriches its power as a conclusion to a wider mm. story. Yeah. Uh, but it, this has yeah. been the Matrix podcast. <laughs> right. um, but, no, but it's related, so, though. It's, but, it's but related. It is, it is, it is related. Um, you know I, what? I you know th- what? This is tied to a Star Trek. And I'm sorry, Cicero, but before yeah, before yeah, the, before it, go, it gets out of my brain, and Zachy, you can speak to this too. Is uh, someone also having an understanding of something that at the time was ancillary, but now is part of the Star Trek canon in the animated series? Sure. Because, you know, there's no guarantee that the animated series or really anything from the animated series is going to be followed up on in Discovery necessarily. But for those that take advantage of some of the the keel plating that was laid, so to speak, in the animated series, it becomes a more enriching experience at the risk of leaving the uninitiated out in the cold. And they never want to do that. So there is. So is that risk worth it? I guess is my question. No, no. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna jump. I'm gonna jump all over pop culture right now and say that 
you know, there was a a film that just released called Venom, <laughs> which is a a film about a Spider-Man villain. Yes. And which the origin story for the film doesn't involve Spider-Man in the least. Right. Um, is a complete, complete and utter departure from from the uh, from the comic book, from its source material. Uh, and I went to go see it with my partner and she enjoyed it for what it was. And that's OK. Like you can you can just go and do your own thing. Yeah. Well, Zachy and I both gave that movie a positive review. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was terrible, and I loved it. Oh, I that was my review, basically. Yeah. I was like, it's not good, but I had fun. I'm not gonna. All right, well, we're 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 running short on time here. Uh, Rachel, do you have anything else to add? Oh, I didn't see Venom, so yeah, she. she I went by myself. I stayed home and cleaned the porch. There you go. I'm all alone. That's what I was thinking. Zachy, what do you think? Uh, Just to to close us out, is that risk of potentially leaving someone out in the cold for the people who do pedal to keep up, is that risk worth it? Uh, It depends. It depends how cold, honestly. It depends how how low. Yeah, there are degrees of it. Yeah, I mean, I I think. it it's I mean I'm sort of talking all over myself here because on the one hand my critique of this was that it just felt very very uh, unessential but then again it's like well how essential do you want to make this thing that's sort of engineered to not be essential mm-hmm. and uh, you know I what I would say just tying things back to a conversation we were having on our previous episode about the the Star Trek comics that DC put out in the in the eighties and these were these were. Uh, set contiguously with the films that were coming out at the time. So they were in essence filling in the continuity between the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so you pick up, you know, the, the the series started shortly after Star Trek two came out. So you pick up and there's no Spock and then it leads into Star Trek three and it creates a whole new continuity that leads pretty seamlessly into Star Trek three to the point that if you are reading the comics and you're watching the movies, Hey, this is cool. It all fits mm-hmm. together. But in actuality, it's, you know, it's meant to be completely disposable. Sure. Uh, and that's kind of my, my, I correlate these things with that, where it's like a neat little thing, but big picture, it doesn't quote unquote matter. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. All right. This really does anything matter. <laughs> Brett, Brett Kavanaugh's on the Supreme Court. Nothing makes sense. <laughs> They're imaginary stories, <laughs> but aren't they all? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that that was fun, guys. I, I I didn't honestly, I didn't expect it to go to to such lengths, but I'm glad that it did. Uh, that, that's that was really cool. Uh, before we leave you for this episode, uh, you know, one of the things I always talk about is that if you write a review for the show, I will read it at the end of the show. And I read one that originated from Facebook at the end of the last episode, but we actually have two. I have no idea how long these have been here, but you we have read these. I've read both of them. You've at least read the first one. Okay. Well, uh, there's, so there's, uh, I'll just read it again. Uh, at the risk of repeating myself, we have two reviews on iTunes. Uh, both of them are five stars. The first one is from Aaron Henley. 
And he said, I underestimated just how much I would enjoy Star Trek Discovery, and I'm glad to have found a podcast that is both critical where it needs to be, but also shows that these hosts are passionate about the show. Thank you, Aaron. And then we also have one from another regular listener, Hey Berto. And he says, after his five-star review, quote, This group does a fantastic job breaking down the aired episodes, but don't neglect to do some specialized shows when the show isn't airing. Well, at least over the last couple of months, we're doing some catch up, but they strike the perfect balance (laughs) of reviewing each episode from the perspective of Trek fans while not allowing their fandom from becoming baggage that can drag the show down. It's the perfect blend of a straightforward review through the lens of franchise familiarity and adoration by fans. They keep it real, y'all. So many other podcasts I've listened to can't let go of their ideas of what Trek should be to just analyze what this show is. Not with this crew. It's why it's my favorite disco podcast. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much for that. And that's, that's, that's a very nice review. But uh, on that note, uh, next time on Debrief, we plan on bringing you the discussion surrounding Cicero's favorite Star Trek episode in our ongoing Debrief's favorite series, which is Star Trek Enterprise's Regeneration. And we also plan after that to bring you a review of the latest Discovery tie-in novel, Fear Itself, written by author James Swallow, uh, that centers on Saru on the Shenzhou. But that's going to do it for episode number 28 of Discovery Debrief. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please like and follow us on our social media channels. And if you'd be so kind, we'd also appreciate it if you were to review for the show on iTunes or Facebook. It only takes a minute and we'll be happy to read your review on the air when it's posted. If you have any questions, you can follow the show on Twitter at DSC Debrief, where you can also find all of our individual Twitter handles. And feel free to send us questions through Twitter our Facebook like page, or by emailing us directly at hailingfrequencies at discoverydebrief.com. Please be sure to set your courses for this feed for future episodes, and be sure to join us as we convene to talk about the novel, to talk about future short treks, just as we continue to barrel forward towards season two. As always, though, until we meet again, please go boldly, my friends. 